0: And our reading this morning is from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 12. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, Paul's missionary work, uh, his first and second missionary journeys, and we'll start where it all begins in Antioch at the beginning of Acts chapter 13. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They travelled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Enemus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind. And for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him. And he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed. for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word.
1: If I was to ask you what is the purpose of the church, I wonder what you would say. I'm not actually going to ask you though, but I wonder what is the main thing that the church is here for? So what's the answer? Some people would say it's to take care of its members or that it's here to visit the sick and pray for them. Some say that it's here to provide guidance and care and comfort for people at important times. Some might say it's to meet together to worship God. I hope they would say it's to meet together to worship God. And I also would hope that people might say it's to reach out to those around us. And I'm sure these are all equally important functions of the church. But what is really God's purpose for the church? Well, if we were to look at Acts 13 and the church there in Antioch and use that as our example, then I'm pretty sure that our conclusion would be quite simple. I reckon we would say that the main business of the church is to obey the Holy Spirit in spreading God's glory to the nations by sending out people who are called by God to preach the gospel. The main business of the church is to be outward looking, to remain connected to God and be ready and willing to follow where he leads. Because if we don't do that, we run the risk of just preserving traditions or maintaining a religious club. And then we forget about people who don't know Jesus for themselves. Someone once said, we somehow think that the church is here for us. We forget that we are the church and that we're here for the world. In the passage from Acts 13 that we just heard, the focus moves back to the church in Antioch. This was a church with a real sense of purpose. Some of those who'd been scattered by persecution in Jerusalem had been brave enough to share their gospel with the Gentiles, and many people were converted through them. And at the end of chapter 12, Barnabas and Paul returned from Jerusalem, and there's a change in focus in the book of Acts. It's now all about the missionary work of the church in Antioch, which resulted in the planting of loads of churches throughout the Gentile world. Just as the founding of the church in Antioch was a radical move, bringing Jews and Gentiles together through their newfound faith in Jesus, the good news, and that was a massive change, now we have a whole new phase. The good news is being sent out from the church in Antioch to the Gentile world, as the church fulfills its purpose, its God-given purpose. You see, the church began in Jerusalem and then spread to over 40 other cities. Um, From Antioch, Paul and his helpers spread the gospel throughout the then-known world. And until now, Jerusalem had been the centre of ministry. And Peter had been the key person, the key leader. But now, Antioch in Syria would become the new centre and Paul would be the new leader. The church in Acts is about sending people out and spreading the good news of Jesus where it's needed. And if we want to be that kind of church that truly has that sense of purpose and is doing what it's here to do, then we should be doing the same. David uh, Bosch in his book Transforming Mission says... Mission is not primarily an activity of the church, it's an attribute of God. In other words, as God the Father sent the Son and God the Father and the Son sent the Spirit, it now goes even further. God the Father and the Son and the Spirit send the church, send them into the world to tell people about Jesus. And Bosch adds, Mission is thereby seen as a movement from God to the world. God is a missionary God. So the church doesn't have a mission, but the church is the instrument through which God continues his mission. So if we want to be fully used by God to do his mission, then how on earth do we do that? Well, Acts 13 begins with a thriving church. Barnabas came to encourage the people there and to help the church grow. He brought Paul to help with the teaching and training, and the church was built up and the church grew. But how? How did that happen? I'm sure we'd all love to know the answer. Well, first of all, the initial focus was worship. We read, while they were worshipping the Lord, that's the point of the church, to be worshipping God in everything we do. We're not primarily here to hear a good sermon, to listen to some good music, to meet some good people. We're here to worship God. Nothing else should really matter because If we're truly coming here to worship God, then he alone will be our focus. And when we're really here to worship God and that's our aim, then we won't be talking in terms of what we did or didn't get from the service because we'll realise that worship isn't all about us. It's not about what we get out of it. It's for the glory of God. It's not for us. It's for him. Worship is for God's benefit not ours. And if we have that approach, then I think we'll be a lot better off. Yes, it's worship through which we hope to connect to God and hear from him. But when we come to worship, we should always be focused on him. And if we're not, then we'll undoubtedly be disappointed. There's a quote from a guy called Joshua Harris who said, don't love the church because of what it does for you, because sooner or later it won't do enough. Don't love the church because of a leader, because human leaders are fallible and will let you down. Don't love the church because of a program or a building or activities, because all of those things get old. Don't love the church because of a certain group of friends, because friendships change and people move. Love the church because of who shed his blood to obtain the church. Love the church because of who the church belongs to. Love the church because of who the church worships. Love the church because you love Jesus Christ and his glory. Love the church because Jesus is worthy and faithful and true. Love the church because Jesus loves the church. And we need to come with that kind of attitude. We need to come expecting to meet with God and open to hear whatever he has to say to us in this place. Thinking back to the church in Antioch, More than anything else that we know about them, we know that they were first and foremost worshippers. It was all about coming together to worship God and spend time in his presence. And then it was through their worship that they were called into service. Right at the start, we hear that they were worshipping God and they were fasting. And as they were doing that, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And when the Holy Spirit spoke, he didn't give suggestions, But he gave instructions. Acts 13 verse 2 says, Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He tells the leaders what to do and they obey him. And Luke notes that Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. You see, the thing is, mission is God's idea. It's not ours. Those leaders back then weren't thinking through ideas of how to make things a little bit more interesting and just came up with the idea of sending people out. Instead it was the Holy Spirit who spoke to them and they simply listened and obeyed. I wonder how did the Spirit speak to them? Was it an audible voice? It could have been, we don't know. But whatever whatever the case was, they focused on worshipping God and listening to him. And as we know, they got the instruction to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. The mission originated with God. They simply obeyed him. And Luke wants to be clear about who's in charge of the mission. And that's the Holy Spirit. God sent Jesus, then sends the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit sends the church. It's been said, worship and service go together And we should never and should never be separated. If we try and work for the Lord without worship him, then we settle for a legalistic, self-centered service. And if we worship and never work, then we'll end up with a form of godliness, but no power. In Acts, they worship, and then God calls them to work for him. God comes along and uses the church for his mission. Like the old saying goes, the measure of the church is not so much in her seating capacity, but her sending capacity. Perhaps sometimes we see church going as a spectator sport, where it's the coming and not the going that matters. But that might explain why we sometimes lose our focus, when really what we're here for is to meet God and to listen to him. The entertainment industry knows all about being slick and about image, and if we're just trying to fill seats, then that's the way to go. But perhaps, as a church, we will be better off trying to empty its seats, and I don't mean that in a negative way, obviously. But by being in the habit of equipping people and sending them out, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that a recruitment agency doesn't work on the number of people that it is managing to hold on its books, but it talks about the number of people that it manages to send Perhaps as a church we should be the same. God comes to us with his mission to fill the earth with his glory. We're called to send people out with the good news of Jesus and bring glory to God. And when we come to church on a Sunday, we should be ready and willing to worship and then be ready to send out into the rest of the week as a mission to tell people about Jesus. And of course, we're not all called to go to faraway countries. Of course not. But some of us are called to say, some of us are called to go. We're either sending people or we're going ourselves, but we should be doing one of the two. And as the church has to listen to the spirit, it's about the spirit and the church working together. So let's look again at that call in Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas were set apart for me. These are God's men for God's use. This is for God. It's not for themselves to be great or for people to see the benefit of, or for the benefit of the people in the church, but it's for God. And if we truly grasp that, then I'm sure it would change the way we do things. Everything that happens is for Him. And God will use those who are ready and willing, and most of all, those who are listening to Him. Barnabas and Paul were deeply involved in God's work when that call came. They were faithfully serving and doing what God had entrusted them with. They were faithful in the work that they had already been given to do. So they acted on what God asked of them. And they began to travel, sent out by the Holy Spirit. And they went to Cyprus where John Mark was to help them. And why Cyprus? Well, Barnabas was from there, so they were essentially going to their own people first and then on beyond that. A bit like the command Jesus gave um, in Acts 1, verse 8, which says, But you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they went from one end of the island to the other, and as they did, they proclaimed the good news of Jesus. And it's the word of God that is central, or at least it should be. It's easy to become distracted with other things. But we have just one message. And if we lose our focus from that message, then we're missing the point. There's a great quote from St. Francis of Assisi that says, Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And I've quoted that often enough myself, because it's got a lot of truth in it. We don't need to make sharing the good news of Jesus something that's scary or daunting we can show love to people. We can share the good news through our actions. But there also has to be a time when the good news of Jesus is spoken to people too. And believe it or not, when we do, we'll probably become, uh, come across some opposition. Paul and Barnabas certainly did. But you know what? They didn't give up. Instead, they persevered. In Acts 13, they met two people. The first is a magician someone who was well-versed in astronomy and astrology and agriculture and maths and history. But some of them were involved in the occult, and they were famous for their ability to interpret dreams. He was Jewish, and his name was Bar-Jesus, which means son of salvation or son of Jesus. He had another name, Elymas, which means skillful one. And politicians had these magicians at their side, to help them make decisions. So it's not surprising that he was alongside the governor of Cyprus. The problem is that he lets this magician control him and control an influence over Cyprus. So when the governor starts to show an interest in Paul and Barnabas, um, the magician realises that he's about to lose power and he's about to lose influence if the governor converts. So that's conflict about to happen. Right there. Imagine yourself in Paul and Barnabas's situation. Would you give up and go home? Or would you stay regardless? Well, they stayed and God worked in a mighty way through them. They persevered. Luke says that Paul was full of the Holy Spirit. Paul and Barnabas weren't on their own, nor did they try to be. They had the Holy Spirit at work in them. They weren't trying to do anything in their own strength. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit that made a difference here. There are times when doing what God asks of us requires a strength that only he can provide. It will require risk, and it's not without cost. I read something by a man called Kent Hughes that says, There is a cost to sincere service for Christ. Christ. Never share your faith, and you'll never look like a fool. Never stand for righteousness on a social issue. And you'll never be rejected. Never practice consistent honesty in business, and you'll not lose the trade of a not so honest associate. Never reach out to the needy, and you'll never be taken advantage of. Never give your heart, and it will never be broken. Never go to Cyprus, and you'll never be subjected to a dizzy, heart convulsing confrontation with uh, with Satan. Seriously, follow Christ and you'll experience a gamut of sorrows almost completely unknown to the unbeliever. But of course, you'll also know the joy of adventure with the Lord of the universe and the very spiritual victory as you live a life of allegiance to him. The Spirit-led church is sent on a mission to proclaim the gospel and persevere through opposition despite what other people think. But you know, regardless of obstacles or difficulties or our own personal fears or limitations, all Christians have been given the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19-20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. The church in Antioch wasn't all about what was going on in Antioch what was going on out there to the ends of the earth and there's a lot that we can learn from that. It's not about what goes on in here, however important that is and it is important. But our primary purpose of meeting together should be to glorify God and if it's anything else then we've lost our focus. But as we meet together to worship God we should do so ready and willing to hear from God and be open to go wherever he sends and be led wherever he leads. And we do that in whatever ways we serve God in our day-to-day lives. It doesn't have to be complicated or extravagant. Yes, we need to preach the gospel, but there's lots of ways we can do that. Not every Christian is called to leave their native country and go to other cultures. That takes a special calling from God and requires a gifting that not everybody has. But we're all called to share the good news of Jesus, with those we meet. I want to finish with a quote from something that I read the other day called The Missionary Heart, and it simply says this. Care more than some think is wise. Risk more than some think is safe. Dream more than some think is practical. Expect more than some think is possible. I was called not to comfort or success, but to obedience. And there is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that uh, you send your Holy Spirit to guide us and to be with us and strengthen us. We ask that you will help us to never try and do things in our own strength, but to always rely on you. And as we meet together here On a Sunday morning, we ask that we will come to really worship you and to listen to you and to hear from you. Amen.